0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sax's Essay Today podcast. My name is Michelle Botcher, and I'm an associate professor in the College of Education at Clemson University. I'm also your host for this program. Today, I'm very excited to have Nilsa Santana Castillo at Lambda School and Fred Tugas at Virginia Commonwealth University as our guests to talk about the similarities and differences of doing student affairs work in and out of college and university settings. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us,
1: excited (laughs) to be here.
0: This should be fun. Okay, so before we kind of get into the topic, this is the part where I build rapport, you know, establish some trust with you all. um, And hopefully we're already on good terms, but just in case not, we'll mend some fences here. Um, So before we get to the topic, if you all wouldn't mind sharing a little bit with our listeners about who you are, and if we could start with the standard you know tell us a little bit about yourself how did you end up kind of doing the work that you're doing right now um and actually both of you are sort of doing the same and new in your role so that'll be kind of interesting to hear about so Nilsa, would you mind starting and just kind of sharing about your journey
1: yeah i'm happy to I think we're on good terms, Michelle. You passed me at Clemson and I graduated. I have my MED. So <laughs> um, yeah, I would say we're on great terms. Um, anyways, so my name is Nilsa Santana and I know Michelle and have been involved in Saxo before because I went to Clemson for my master's program. Since Clemson, I went on to go work at Caltech where I was the graduate residential life coordinator my background was, uh, while I was at Clemson and even through my professional career was definitely housing for the most part, but I always had a passion and interest for career services specifically. And that's what I did. My internship at Clemson, um, was with Clemson's career and professional development center. Um, so my passion was there, but, um, Caltech is how I was able to go live in California and Pasadena, which was a fun, amazing experience through housing. Um, And just gain more professional experience through there, but kept an eye on career services. Um, And then that's what led me to pivot eventually to ed tech specifically. I became a career coach. Um, I should probably preface that I also was looking for a remote specific role. So that's um, an area that I I know a lot about just as being a professional who wanted more flexibility, didn't want to have to be on campus because I was in a relationship with my now husband um, where he was in the army at the time. So just wanted to be able to have the flexibility to still offer support to students in ways that I really enjoy, but do it from wherever. So pivoted into ed tech. um, So that's where I'm at now, Lambda School, where I am currently the job search manager. So I'm a program manager for our job search um, area where our students have graduated now it's time to help them get the jobs past graduation they have the skills and knowledge they need uh, yeah so I think that kind of gives you some scope into my professional expertise and where I'm at right now
0: that's great so you you were working remote before everyone yes. was working <laughs> remote ahead of the current yes.
1: Great. Yes. It's funny because people will ask me, uh, oh, are you remote because of the pandemic? I'm like, no, I actually, <laughs> um, my company was remote to begin with. So I've been working remote uh, the past two years. This past January was two years.
0: Great. Fred, how about you? Tell us a little bit about your, your route to where you are.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Michelle, Um, and happy to reunite our Clemson family here. Um, My name is Fred Tugis. I use he, him, his pronouns, and um, currently serving as the Interim Assistant Dean of Students um, here at Virginia Commonwealth University, which is in downtown Richmond, Virginia, a large um, public urban research university um, here in our capital city. Um, My journey into student affairs, you know, I was a first generation college student as well as a commuter student um, at Old Dominion. And, um, you know, I really remember the financial need conversation being such a big stickler as a first gen student with my family. um, I remember not being very happy that I was going to my local university, um, even though um, I essentially had a full ride. Um, And I decided that I was going to make the most of that experience. Um, And Old Dominion um, really was is and is still such a special place in my heart. Um, I remember You know, wanting to get involved and seeing an opportunity with the program board um, to plan homecoming um, because we had just started football there and I was like, oh, wait, this is a a leadership position. Oh, it's also paid. Oh, like, and then, and then it just continued um, Into a mentorship and then an opportunity um, to really explore the field of student affairs. And so campus activities has really been my Background as an undergrad and still remains to be my passion throughout my professional career. Um, so I dabbled a little bit in admissions after I graduated from um, Old Dominion. Um, and then after that admission stint, um, ended up at Clemson, graduated. Um, with Nilza in 2016. Um, didn't think, you know, I was really nervous about making a jump from, um, you know, diverse urban downtown Norfolk to rural South Carolina, but didn't think that I would meet my best friend um, through that experience. So I'm so happy to um, have met Nilza. Um, since then, um, you know, from Clemson, I was in housing and did a couple of internships in um, conduct and underrepresented student retention. Um, really just wanted to explore as many different functional areas as I could. Um, and then returning to home base um, at UNC Asheville. So I was in. Um, North Carolina working in activities um, before pivoting back to activities here at VCU. I've been here for about two and a half years. Um, and then um, at the end of January, I was um, appointed to serve in this interim role. So um, it's been a fun journey so far. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about that. So.
0: Great. Thank you both very much. Um, aside from sort of the work path and, and how you Um, found your way into the positions that you have now can you talk a little bit about hobbies and interests Um, so activities that you engage in outside of work if you have a favorite quote or if there are things you're reading or listening to or watching that you want to talk about a little bit Fred would you mind um, starting on this one?
2: Yeah absolutely happy to so um, I'm a huge essay nerd in general, but I'm a huge nerd outside of the profession, I'll be honest. Um, um, so uh, I'll, I'll kick off with just my general love for science fiction. I love sci-fi and um, Nilsa knows this, I'm a huge fan of Black Mirror. I love some dark futuristic stuff um, online, waiting for a new season of that, thinking about things like Back to the Future and Bird Box and some of those space movies. Um, I just love thinking about the future, whether they be optimistic or not so optimistic, but they really just empower my mind. So that's been fun. I'm also strategic at work, but I'm strategic in my personal life, too, and I love board games. So, um, you know, one of the games that I have five different versions of is Ticket to Ride. Um, It's a fantastic strategy game if you've never played it, very similar to Catan. Um, I also love travel, so it, um, you know, kind of melts that all in there. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons I was excited to do this podcast is because I'm a huge podcast nerd. Like podcasts, audiobooks. I mean, I listen to Hidden Brain, Life Kit. Um, Brene Brown has a couple podcasts that I love. Um, Why Won't You Date Me is a great one for single folks out there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm a huge nerd outside of work um, and love thinking about the future and also doing strategy stuff. Um, you know, thinking about a quote that has really resonated with me during the pandemic um, where I feel like we've really been crippled. I'm referring to a quote by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, He says, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. i really, as someone that loves envisioning the future, I can see the final destination, but I really get, uh, I really struggle taking that first step. Um, And so um, that's been really helpful for me during a time when um, it it seems hard to just even wanna get up some days. And um, I've really um, appreciated that quote and keep that um, front of mind um, throughout this pandemic.
0: Great, thanks so much, Fred. Milza, how about you? Yeah.
1: I'll start off with my quote. Fred knows this one. My one of my favorite quotes, I live by it. It's on the background of my personal laptop is collect moments, not things, which I actually really connected with during grad school. Uh, when you're a grad student, not making as much money, right? But I had so many amazing, wonderful experiences at Clemson. And well, even moments in the summer that I got to travel at Clemson. I did a an Akuai internship in Chicago. And so Uh, it was just this general sentiment that like, even though I didn't have a lot of money in my pocket as a grad student, I was still having these amazing experiences. And that has carried over in like years, um, even now. So, and it helps from a minimalist perspective, uh, and having moved several times being in housing prior to to now focusing on career services, I have moved into so many different (laughs) rooms, apartments, and spaces, So collecting moments over things helps make it a lot easier when you got to pack those boxes. Um, But in regards to my hobbies and interests, I do share that black mirror type of sci-fi interest with Fred. Love talking to him about that. Um, A couple other things that interest me with the pandemic, man, it's been tough because I love aerial arts particularly, um, and I have not been able to do that during the pandemic, but I cannot wait to do that again, aerial dancing in general and working out. it just keeps me clear and more focused. So I've been able to create a, a great home gym, not my dream gym by any means during the pandemic, but it is a very effective home gym. And I wasn't originally a YouTube or video workout person, but I'm finding some YouTubers who are videos that I like um, to follow along with, uh, especially because when you work at home remotely, I like doing like 15 minute videos in between meetings that help get my energy up instead of coffee. So those are some of my hobbies and interests.
0: Wonderful. All right. Okay. So I have one more question for you before we get to our topic. And, you know, when we talk about higher ed, higher ed adjacent, student affairs kinds of things we always talk about you know it's a really small world so i thought it might be interesting to ask guests just to talk about one maybe two people who have been really important in your career and what i'm thinking is over time people will start to make connections of around institutions around mentors whatever it might be so I'll defer to you all. Whoever wants to go first, but is there somebody sort of um, along your path and and in your career that you really think of? Um, this is somebody who made a difference for me. Could be a mentor, could be a colleague. Um, but I'll I'll let you all share what you choose. You're so polite to each
2: other. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'm happy to go first, Noza. Um So. I'm thinking um, of you know one of the first people that had an impact on me, and so professionally, and I think about the impact that they've had um, on me over the, the past decade or so. Um, I'm thinking about Don Stansberry, particularly. Dr. Don Stansberry serves as the vice president for student engagement and enrollment services at Old Dominion, um, and he. Served. Um, he's been at the university for over 20 years. Loves the ODU spirit um, and that community. Started as a director of campus activities before becoming a dean of students, then an AVP and now VP. And I remember when he got that job just recently. It really, um, it really just had a flood of memories for me, right? Because. The thing I think about is that for me as a student who, probably against all odds, <laughs> probably should not have retained, right? As someone that was a commuter student living at home, first gen, you know, my parents like um, were, um, didn't even know what a credit hour was, but were willing to help um, write the check to keep me in school. And they knew that it was valuable and it was a ticket. Um, But that, because I took a couple steps to be visible on campus, um, he made that campus of 25,000 students feel so small and so tight. Um, And I think those are the things that I think about now, especially in my role, are what are opportunities I can do to pay it forward. Um, You know, we we always talk about that fishbowl effect and um students know us even though we may not remember all of their names and um, i try to think about those small interactions that mean so much don was visible Um, he when i um, displayed an interest in potentially looking at student affairs he immediately got me connected with a mentor um, on campus Um, and that really just started my journey and so um, i try to think about those intentional moments that um, can really change someone's life and don did that for me as a as a young 19 year old at old dominion
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. Nilsa, how about you?
1: Yeah. So mine is going to be from Clemson and it is Kristen Walker. Um, I'm blanking on her married name. So correct me if either of you know it, but Kristen Walker is how I knew her when um, I Mm -hmm. worked with her. Um, But it's Kristen because I, I, as I mentioned earlier, um, I, was job searching in California. Um, I was doing my internship at Clemson's Career Center and uh, Kristen worked inside of the Career Center and she was so supportive of me in all of my interviews as I was graduating. I was getting far more housing interviews than I was um, with career interviews at that particular point in my career because I had such a robust background in housing, Um, but Kristen found ways to support me in my interest for career services. So didn't necessarily land a career service job coming out of Clemson and graduation, but Kristen had so much impact on me just in the way that I thought about my own professional development during Clemson and years to come. So much so that as of recently, when I had the opportunity to interview for the role that I'm now holding for my current company, um, which is a program manager. The first person I thought to call was Kristen. Hadn't talked to her in over a year and a half to two years. Um, hadn't done the best job of kept keeping in touch. Still had her number in my phone and texted her and was like, Hey, I have this really cool opportunity with my company. Uh, I, I just want to pick your brain. Can I chat with you? She texted me, hopped on the phone that day with me, talked to me for 45 minutes, gave me these amazing insight points to help me prep for my interview. And I texted her along the way as I interviewed for this particular role and position. Um, And she's just such a cheerleader for all of us. Like, I know I'm not the only one from Clemson um, who has interacted with Kristen, but I just can't even describe, um, like, how appreciative I was that even though I hadn't kept in touch, she, she was so good. And yes, we all keep in touch through like social media and LinkedIn and stuff like that. So it was a moment where I was like, I need to do a better job of updating people along the way and like saying hello more often, but that did not phase Kristen whatsoever, like total cheerleader and gave great points as a professional that really helped me. Um, in my personal opinion, like get ready for this particular position and I know that if I ever need anything from her, I can reach out to her. And that was no different than while I was there on campus with her in the career center, um, both as an intern and then someone who was going through a job search back in the day myself. So I really appreciate all the support Kristen's
0: offered uh, me over the course of my career. Wonderful. Kristen Walker Donnelly.
2: Thank you.
0: Is yeah. name, so. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, and that actually kind of sets up a nice segue for the next question. If you would each talk and you, you touched on this kind of the path and how you um, are where you are. Can you talk a little bit more about um, sort of the intention behind it and how did you choose because I know you both well enough that you have options, right? So it's not like I have to take this job, it's the only job I'll ever be offered. So how did you make those choices along the way? And I think particularly Nilsa, if you can talk about how did you even, where do you even look if you wanna do this work but not at an institution specifically? So um, maybe if you wouldn't mind starting Nilsa, that would be great.
1: Um, For sure. So. I'm currently in ed tech going on two years with doing that. And how I found this particular opportunity was I just started with the word remote, uh, two years or over two years ago now at this point, cause I've held my role for two years. It was three years ago that I started thinking, you know what? I want something more flexible just because of my situation at the time with my husband being in the army. Um, and I want to be able to work from wherever I was very used to the housing lifestyle of having, um, of working evening sometimes, and you can, you make your life work around the hours that you're working and you have a bit of flexibility if you have to go do an appointment. Right. Um, so I was like remote should, should be a pretty good transition as a housing professional. Like what can I find remote? And I knew I was interested in career services. Now I will say that during, um, my time at caltech i pursued my career development facilitator certificate um, and so that was very helpful for me to still be able to for even though i was in housing at the time to g- reference the fact that i had been working on developing myself as a career professional um, and so while i was doing that i just started googling remote career coach roles so that's where how i got started um, with my career in ed tech in career services the remote career roles, and you will find a lot of um, boot camps, different programs, online programs, non-traditional education. So this is not a four-year institution, right? These are different programs and experiences that students might need because, you know, the traditional higher ed is not for everyone. And then some students are really focused on employment, right? They wanna know how do I get the skills to get me employed and into a role really quickly? Um, so I saw career coach roles popping up across, uh, my results for a lot of different programs, uh, like that, particularly for data science and web development. So I started learning more about that particular space. And, um, that's when I started applying to a couple different companies and my application with Lambda school stuck, went through their interview process. It was a great fit. Um, I was really excited about that particular opportunity. And what's cool about a startup environment, cause my company is, um, very young as a startup is that you have a lot of different opportunities to pivot and use your skills in creative ways. Whereas higher ed, sometimes it takes a while to change things as we all know. So, um, here in a startup environment, I, if, if we are working on a project, like I can pull so many different transferable skills from, just my own experience and background with higher ed and apply that to what's happening, um, in, in we'll see. So for me personally, like if I had to boil it down, just started Googling, researching that led to eventually finding opportunities. And then I started preparing myself for application got my resume ready. And then of course had to prepare for interviews where I articulated, like, here's why you want a student affairs professional at your company. Like, here's why my degree, my master's from Clemson and counselor education, of student affairs is going to help you out and is going to help your students. And so knowing the value that I brought from traditional education and how it could help in a different space.
0: Well, I love that because the, this idea of self-promotion, you know, student affairs um, can be a very humble profession and not really talking ourselves up, but finding a way to say, no, you want me. Let me help you understand why i love that so thank you very much fred how about you how have you made your choices along the way
2: yeah i mean well first to comment on nils's journey and her strategies i mean speaking of humility there was kind of two big things that i wanted to share that she also did along the way i mean nils that you also did a lot of resume reviews during your transition right like you just did it Kind of for fun. You got some pay. It was change, but you did that as an opportunity to keep your skills up. And I, I, I mean, I remember that.
1: We forgot about yeah. That. Right. I, I was side hustling in grad school. You were
2: absolutely side. <laughs> and
1: hustling. I became a resume writer for a company, which actually did help in my mm-hmm. career to become yeah a career coach.
2: And and you did some social listening too. I mean, like you were following the CEO's Twitter accounts and Mm -hmm. you and I talked about like, Ooh, like the CEO said this, like, now I'm connecting that to an interview question. Right. And so, you know, even just trying to do some social listening about what they're putting out there and trying to identify what they value. So
1: Twitter is huge in tech.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You
1: follow in, uh, in tech, I'm learning you follow those companies that you're paying attention to and you track them and you can learn a lot that will help you in, your interview process. Um, so staying on top of the news about different companies that you're interested in. Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. That, yep. Didn't Speaking even of, of
2: humility. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, it's interesting. So I started at VCU October of 2018. And so um, you know, I came here with a real passion doing, um, I originally came in as an assistant director for student leadership and civic engagement programs. And, um, I'd never, you know, other than a short time in admissions, I'd never worked in my home state, um, professionally. And so I thought about how cool would it be to develop, you know, um, young leaders from across the state in a capital city, you know, a few hours from the nation's capital and talk about civic engagement, right? Like, and talk about why, um, you know, having a civic ethos matters, why it's important to be connected to your community and a community that I know well. So I really came in with um, that clear passion. But, you know, I think one thing that I've, that has always stuck with me from freshman year of college. It was a Monday night philosophy class. Man, it was tough. It was seven to 10 PM. And he just said, he said, you know, navigate life with a childlike sense of wonder. And that is a lesson that I continue to like resonate with throughout my career today, right? Is to live with a sense of curiosity. And so, um, and I think that curiosity is what helped me gain this interim assistant dean of students job. Um, My work as an interim assistant dean, um, VCU has two campuses um, in Richmond and then a couple overseas, but um, the downtown campuses are separated by two miles, the undergraduate campus and then um, our medical campus where I am Positioned. I I really had no reason to be on the medical campus, but um, I would walk around the campus. I would say hello to our student affairs partners here, have coffee with them, no agenda, just want to say hello. Um, And um, it was so nice, I think, you know, last Thanksgiving of 2020 when um, the Dean of Students called me and said, We'd like to offer you this opportunity. Um, You know, the predecessor in this role as well as him were like, I, you know, I think you'd be a good fit. And I remember being in a t-shirt, a hoodie, not ready for this conversation and thinking about how, um, you know, what I had even done to deserve this role. And after that 15 minute conversation, I just kind of sat there blissfully and thought about, I'm so happy that I just spent, you know, a couple hours, you know, um, every other week or so on the medical campus, just getting to know those students, not forgetting that there are 5,000 students on this campus, not the 30,000 undergrads that we're focused on. So um, I would just say relationship building and visibility really helps open doors. The more you continue to put yourself out there, which can be tough for sure, right? And we all um, have limited bandwidth, but when you're, you know, when you find something that aligns with your core values, for me, curiosity, right, um, that was just really helpful. And I wasn't um, realizing how many doors that would open for me. So,
0: well, it's interesting because when you were talking about your experiences in undergrad, you said, and I won't get the line exactly right, but you said something like, as I decided to make myself more visible on campus. Yeah. So it sounds like that's been sort of a foundational element of, If I'm going to be here, I want to be here and building those connections.
2: For sure. My mom says my favorite character as a kid was Curious George. And so she's still still my nickname now. So for sure. All right. Well, okay. So you all alluded to this earlier, but I
0: know that you do have um, a pretty strong friendship. So how do you I'm going to sort of ask the next couple of questions together. How does work show up in your conversations and your engagement with one another? But then also, how do you or do you choose to sort of bracket that or, or separate that from? Um, because I think about my own experience, but, you know, working with grad students quite a bit socializing is often talking about work time or talking about classes instead of talking about life beyond those things. So how do you all sort of, how does work show up or not? And then how do you put work aside or not and talk about other things? Yeah.
1: Work definitely shows up in our conversation. <laughs> um, but I personally, and I'll let Fred speak for himself um I find it to be really refreshing and helpful the way that work comes up in our conversations we're in two very different spaces right now like even our areas of expertise um and like the way that we support students we're coming at it from very different angles so that might make it a little bit easier in my opinion to kind of draw some lines there because we're it's not like we're both in housing or we're both deans or we're both in career services. So, uh, we, we have to do a lot of listening to understand the work that the other one's doing. Uh, but so yes, it absolutely comes up and shows up in conversations. One thing that I will, um, say, which I don't think Fred will mind me sharing is we both just went through these interview processes, right. Or they, we were considered for, uh, kind of a next step opportunity at the, our places of employment. And I went through my interview process before Fred's the one thing that I know as a friend to Fred is if I'm on the phone with Fred or Fred hasn't texted me an update, I'm careful about asking for updates because I don't want to stress him out. Uh, And so I will just do a little fishing. Hey, how was your day? How's the week going? But I won't bring it up unless he does, because typically when he's ready, he's going to bring it up, which I think that's a piece of advice for anyone in student affairs is as much as we want to help each other out and like get the personal tea because we want to be supportive of you like we care about you and we want to kind of see how things went with next steps. Sometimes letting other people bring it up first and foremost, um, instead of asking about it and just seeing where conversations go. So try to avoid bringing up work uh, as the first go-to in conversations. Um, Fred, you can take it from here. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, I think one thing I'll never forget when Nils and I graduated from Clemson and we were at commencement in Greenville and she was like, she's like, bae, we have to see each other four times a year. Mind you, we are on opposite coasts of the <laughs> country. And I'm like, <laughs> How that could happen? Um, surprisingly, we made it happen. And yeah. I have exceeded that ever since then, <laughs> four times a year. But I say that to say that, you know, one thing Nils and I have valued is um, our shared love of just Wanderlust and having new adventures and travels together. So like, having new experiences together, right? As Nilza alluded to, collecting memories, not things. We really kind of just took that and ran with it. And we explored new cities for ourselves um, that we both hadn't been to. And so, um, you know, with those comes lots of memories. The other thing I would say is that I think for Nilza and I, like, we have expanded our friendship just beyond her and I, right? Like she has her immediate like circle of family and friends, and then I obviously have my family and friends, and we've worked really intentionally, I think, to integrate those into both of our lives. Like our parents have met, you know, um, they've they've stayed over. Um, I've stayed to- at Thanksgiving
1: enough. with his family. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanksgiving with my family. Like um, I know about Nils's like friends that even predated us at Clemson, right, and tried to integrate them into. Um, our our shared community. And so I think that's been helpful too, because I'll ask Nilza about how her mother is, how her sister is, how her friend in El Paso is, right? And um, it just continues to keep it interesting. Um, so the, the last thing I'd say too, is that Nilsa does a really good job of helping me see um, myself outside of Red Essay Pro, right? Like she likes to check me and remind me when, um, you know, when I'm saying like, you know, maybe it's time for me to leave, right, like after a bad day, she'll be like, but Fred, like, I can't tell you how many times you've talked about how integrated you feel into that community. I, you know, I want to remind you about how you felt at your last place, right, and like what was missing there, so having someone that can give even a different perspective, not only on what may seem like work-related, but it's really about just holistic highly recommend the Gallup book, well-being that talks about the five dimensions of well-being a little plug there.
1: Excellent. I think the accountability piece too, is we do a pretty good job of being very open about what we need to be held accountable for. And yeah. we are open to hearing areas for growth or I don't want to call them critique yeah. because it's not necessarily a critique, but it really is like, Hey, I'm noticing this. And we point that out with each other. Uh, Like I just had like an hour and a half conversation with Fred this past weekend, like processing some stuff that I was working on. And we just ask each other very thoughtful questions. And so having that accountability piece, we've extended beyond just professional stuff of what we want to talk about or process and hold each other accountable for. Um, And it has been because we've given each other space to be able to like, let you know, like, Hey, I'm noticing this about you. And we're not offended at all. If Mm -hmm. the other one wants to help you be a better person, like Fred was saying, holistically, that's probably the theme here is that we're supportive of each other as friends, holistically. And what started as getting to know each other as grad school professionals, like whatnot, we've definitely extended past that. So that helps a ton.
0: Well, and I love how at the beginning, you know, when you were talking about your experience, and then Fred was like, and also you, so you kind of catch each other, call each other when that needs to happen, but also lift each other up. I mean, it, it really sounds like that through your exchanges. Um, can you talk a little bit about, so given where you are now, you know what your job is today, knowing in this world that could change in 15 minutes, but, how have the experiences you've had up until this point prepared you for what you're doing now? And sort of in a, whether it was intentional or if it was just happenstance that I did this random thing, but that really helped me. Um, And again, you know, to mention the earlier thing about uh, reviewing resumes, you know, that was a, a side deal, but You know opened some doors or at least gave you something to emphasize in an interview can you give some other examples of things like that that have prepared you for the positions that you're in today
1: Uh, for me and i i know there are other housing professional out there who are listening or like uh, anyone in student affairs who's in one particular functional area but you have your eyes on another one i was always very transparent with my supervisors or the people i worked with throughout throughout grad school and Caltech of my interest in career services and the the reason I feel so passionate about career services specifically is because students come to our institutions whether they be a traditional one or an ed tech institution for the purpose of gaining skills and developing themselves into this career that they're dreaming of and that they're imagining of so career services for me is across the institution like any institution like that's students are going to do this regardless of whether or not you talk to them right Um, and so there are so many ways that I can fit that into my job at Caltech as a graduate residential life coordinator, who's working with RAs who happen to be doing this job because it gives them some housing and some good leadership and um, you know a little bit of pay or whatnot. Like you do, you become an RA for different reasons, right? Um, but I still had so many moments that I could take that relationship and interaction with my student leaders or the people I supervised and still do a lot of career development there. So I was always very honest with my own supervisors, like, hey, I really enjoy career development. I really enjoy having these conversations with students. So even though I went straight into housing after I graduated, I briefly mentioned I got my career development facilitator certificate um, from the National Career Development Association and CDA. And when I did that, I did use professional development funds that were available to me at Caltech at the time and I got everything approved, let my supervisor know. And, um, I did have to explain how this related to my particular role. And it was again, no brainer, like very transferable. All these students are here (laughs) to come to our institution, to learn these skills. Like, shouldn't you have a professional who knows how to talk to them about the next steps of their career? Like that could be in any conversation that comes up. Um, because for me, career development is also life development and just life skills. So that credential was very helpful, I know it's called something else right now. I think it's called career services provider. The name for that particular credential has changed since I initially got it. But if anyone's interested in that credential, I found a lot of value in being someone who was working in one particular functional area, but in my off time and my personal time getting skills in that way. So that prepared me. And that was like one of those, like one-off, like wasn't part of my degree program necessarily, but just having that mindset. Yeah. That prepared me. And yes, the side hustle, like still doing things like resume, like that I I'm, I know I'm not the only one in student affairs who has side hustles, finding ways to still make that work for you in your career too.
0: Great. How about you, Fred?
2: Yeah. I think some positions that I've had along the way, you know, um, I have, attended as a student, uh, mostly large public universities, and um, have really always enjoyed um, the public school experience. Um, You know, I I was a public um, school student in K-12 and um, have found now a a passion for public education, particularly urban um, public education now uh, at VCU. Uh, But one experience, you know, that was really helpful before I was here, um, I was at The University of North Carolina at Asheville, which is a public liberal arts um, university in North Carolina and one thing that small schools really teach you is you hear this a lot right you wear many hats. Um, But the other piece is that it really teaches you about relationships, you know when you're wearing all those um, different hats it's really about who's in your network that can help support you in the work that you're doing um, across um, campus whether it be student affairs academic affairs um, etc i think back to my um, graduate experience at clemson and i'm so grateful that we had such a strong focus on the practitioner experience Um, and my curiosity went in you know i i went in with an assistantship in housing. Mind you, remember I was a commuter student. i never (laughs) supervised RAs. I never had lived in a residence hall. um, And I wanted to take a jump. And um, I also did an internship in conduct um, as well. Um, And although I went back to activities after grad school, um, I look now at my interim assistant dean work and that those experiences are so formative, right? Now that I know, um, you know, what an incident report looks like and um, what the structure looks like typically with on-call, those are things that, um, you know, your path isn't exactly linear. And I certainly did not think that I was going to be um, in an assistant dean role. Um, I thought I was gonna continue down the activities route. I will say I'm a huge champion for activities work. I think, you know, outside of housing, campus activities really prepares you, whether you're working with student organizations, fraternity and sorority life, um, even alternative breaks. I mean, we brought back 150 students across um, North America in the middle of the pandemic, um, you know, and that was um, when we talk about crisis response, when we talk about relationships, um, you know, activities really prepares you um, in so many ways for um, a dean of students role as well. Um, Then the last two things I wanted to share too are, you know, even just continuing to do your own work um, and reflecting on your own lived experiences. I have found that to be so important, you know, as a first gen student, as a a queer um, person of color, now working at an institution that has high financial need, is high um, underrepresented minority, just starting to slow down and start thinking about my own lived experiences, continuing to stay abreast on um, topics around anti-racism and DEI work. Um, you know, I like to think, and one thing that uh, struck me from Clemson's Good Talk program, which is a um, to say dialogue series, is that you'll always have a first thought, right? But can you pause in that first thought before you articulate your second thought, right? And I think that's so important as we continue to listen actively, as we look to, um, you know, um, break down structures um, of power and privilege um, in our organizations. So, um, I'm also a huge fan of Clifton Strengths. I'm a certified Gallup Clifton Strengths coach, and it's really, really great, I think, from a DEI perspective, because you start looking at students from their talents and treasures that they bring, not the deficits. And so, I think the more that we can do that, um, we can pull out the best of our students and look at the capital that they bring on our campuses.
0: Great. Okay, so now I would love to hear you all talk about, so this is, you told us kind of how you got where you are, choices you made and things like that. So say if you would start, if someone was interested in doing what you do, are there, um, in addition to, you know, this is how you find the jobs, are there things they should be prepared for that, you know, this is going to be very different. And it could be positive, it could be negative. Um, And then after you talk about that, would you ever have an interest in coming back to a position on a college or university campus?
1: That's a hot question. (laughs) Okay, I'll do the first part. So if anyone was interested in leaving a traditional college setting, one piece of advice that I have for you is figuring out what's the equivalent of your expertise elsewhere. So we have so many different terms and phrases for our functional areas, right? For me, career services, that happened to directly translate because I found an ed tech company. But if you're somebody who's currently in career services, you have a lot of strong skills to be a recruiter. And you'd probably be a really great one who could be a recruiting manager. And you know so much about the development of professionals and their careers and where they might be at in their journey and questions to ask. So all of us in student affairs have transferable skills that match some type of industry. And what you need to do is kind of get outside of your head about talking about it from a higher ed perspective, especially on our resumes. Let me tell you right now, our resumes with two pages, (laughs) all the presentations we've done, all our academic stuff. I know many of us, you know, we have a ton of information on our resumes and um, those of us with our masters, like we've, we, we have two page resumes. Heck you just need one page resume. And uh, the first time I had to boil down my resume to one page, I was like, oh, but I have such good experiences. And even as a career professional, I didn't wanna let it go. but then I boiled it down. But to be honest, like, it's just one page of very transferable skills. It's that flyer that it's your about you. And so I had to keep in mind, like going into uh, the tech field, they don't have the same standards in regards to resumes or the same operations that we do in higher ed and um, our institutions. So that was one pivot. FYI, you will have to dial back on your resume a little bit. <laughs> it should not be two pages. Um, very rarely should it be two pages if you're trying to transition into tech. Um, but yeah, so finding that equivalent of what you want to be doing and that doesn't just have to be in the tech space. Um, I know Fred mentioned earlier that I had started putting an ear to the, the ed tech space because I discovered, oh, okay, I'd be really interested in being a career coach. And I found all these companies that did it. Uh, and so I got a Twitter. <laughs> I didn't originally, I, I had Twitter in grad school. I stopped and then I got back onto it when I realized, oh, okay. Twitter is a big deal in tech. So got back onto it so I could follow companies and kind of keep an ear to things and doing informational interviews. uh, As a career professional, I also need to tell you, you're going to have to network. (laughs) So networking helps a ton. Doing cold applications as a higher ed candidate who's trying to break into a certain space is not going to have the same effect as proactively asking professionals who are already at the company in roles that you're interested in to be able to chat about their own career journey and how they got there, meeting them, and then keeping them updated of your own efforts or what you're thinking you want to do as next steps so that they can help you in your job search process. They have a lot of insight. So you are going to find the best way to pivot in your career is going to be to network and connect with new people and send that cold outreach message. You have nothing to do with this person, but explain to them why you're interested in learning about their journey and what are your intentions. Um, probably going to be my best advice for everybody. And then would I come back to (laughs) the, the traditional campus setting? Um, one thing that I really struggle when I think about the traditional, like if you had asked me at Clemson and Fred knows this, um, even the past couple of years, like my ultimate eyes on the prize type of career goal is mm-hmm. I would love to direct a career center. Um, and one reason that I'm really excited about my current role is that it really is giving me a lot of those skills that would well prepare me to do that. Um, and I'm coming at it from the angle of job seekers, Right. Um, but I like would love to oversee the professionals who are doing the support and trickle down. So that's my eyes on the price type goal. And I wouldn't mind doing that on a traditional campus setting, however I will say, uh, the pay in higher ed is challenging once you exit. And uh, I I know of other people who have exited, hired ed and have gone into other businesses, corporate, or you know whatever field or industry they went into. It's just really challenging to go backwards once you set your pay like or you, you've stepped it up quite quite a bit and then you look at the equivalent salaries of what you would be making if you were to go back to higher ed so and that's not to say that pay is everything that's not what i'm saying um, but i will say people in higher ed and like the skills that we do and the support we offer students like i don't think the pay is, has matched some of those roles and those skill sets just yet it has in my opinion, continue to lag a bit. And uh, there are student affairs professionals out there who are underpaid. So that's a challenge for me. If I'm gonna go back to a campus, I would have to be paid accordingly, having gone into ed tech now and experienced a different, even the benefits, like the benefits are a good example too. The benefits you get Uh, working in higher ed versus outside of it are a bit different too. Though I will say, take advantage of the school ones, like uh, your professional development funds and being able to get any type of schooling paid for like how Fred currently, uh, I hope I can share that. (laughs) I just Okay. I I figure you don't mind sharing openly, like one nice thing about working for a public institution, they will pay for you to go pursue your doctorate. So if I went back to higher ed, that probably be something that I'd be considering is my doctorate. And I'd be more open-minded because that has so much value, not having to pay for that out of pocket. So I'd be open-minded to returning for the right career center, for the right, <laughs> for the right pay too, and for the right opportunities. Um, I've also gotten used to working remotely too. Uh, as I, I know Fred has <laughs> gotten used to that remote life. Like everyone's gotten a taste of it. It is nice to have that flexibility. And so um, remote can be a lot of fun
2: dogs are the real winners of COVID-19 for sure the other thing I would say before we leave the pay retweets um but also you know dear hiring managers like please post your salary ranges you know like (laughs) if you're going to say that it's competitive then say it you know so sorry little tangent there I've actually seen a lot of
0: dialogue around that on social media of late so so, Fred, what about you? You know, advice for people who aspire to kind of the trajectory that you've been on. And then would you ever consider letting Nilza recruit you uh, to
2: come work with her? I have
0: tried. I have been trying, but traditional
1: you know, higher ed has him.
2: <laughs> no, yeah, you know, higher ed, I think. It, certainly does have me, but hearing more of Nilsa's experience and, um, you know, Nils and I both share uh, a passion for talking about the future, right? And, you know, one of the things as we talk about Black Mirror is that's integral there is technology. And I've been so inspired hearing the work that Nilsa does, like just even like kind of flipping the classroom and flipping like the models, like it, it challenges me to think differently um, in the traditional higher ed, um, um, context, but, you know, I have had an interest in ed tech. Um, My other interest um, from a student affairs perspective is really around assessment. And so as I think about, you know, some of the the, um, software solutions that we work with on our campuses from campus labs to some of the student engagement platforms that we work with, um, you know, um, I just did a bootcamp today on Maxient, right? And they're right up the road here in Virginia. Like, so I'm thinking about, Um, software solutions, as Nilsa talked about, you know, trying to find ways where we move so slowly, what are ways that we can create um, um, systemic solutions for um, higher ed organizations to solve those problems, right, and so that has been something of interest to me. Um, The other thing I'd say, currently getting my, um, as as Nilsa mentioned, I'm getting my um, Doctor of Education um, here at VCU in Leadership um, with the Department of Educational Leadership. Um, But that has really opened my eyes even to the possibility of working in learning and development or training and development, right? Like for anyone that works in leadership education or has has advised student groups or works in leadership development, I would say consider that, you know, start looking at some postings, see what might interest you um, outside of higher ed. Um, and the other thing before my, before, um, you know, ODU and Don Stansbury sweeped me away to higher ed, I really wanted to work in a high school. And how cool would it be to be a high school dean of students? Like, be so cool, just walking around, learn the new TikToks or whatever. Like, <laughs> be so much fun. Um, I Yeah. I love school, and so if I wasn't in higher ed, I would definitely probably be in K-12, so.
0: Awesome. Um, Nilsie, you touched on this earlier, but I wanna give you a chance to expand on this idea of transferable skills. And, you know, I, I feel like, and, you know, Fred, you may have had these experiences as well, But I feel like when you're in student affairs, you kind of do everything related to human beings. And it doesn't matter what your title is or what office you work out of, the next student who walks in your door could need anything from you. And so just knowing how to navigate that. But Nilsa, could you talk a little bit more about how you, you know, we talk all the time, you don't understand student affairs, we can't explain it to our parents, all of that kind of thing. How do you explain it to, or how do you repackage it? What did you follow up with? You need me because, you know, how, Mm -hmm. how do you do that? How do you make the language transferable?
1: Yeah. Uh, What's funny is I, I mentioned my husband's in the army. And so the first time he ever wrote up his resume, he kept using very, army, military specific language that is not transferable to civilian life. And I'm like, Nope, we need to find the civilian equivalent of what you're trying to say. And what's funny is I kind of feel that way about higher ed is we get very into all the language that we understand about our functional areas and what it means to be, for example, a Dean for Fred, not everybody understands what it means to be a Dean. Um, and though y'all understand what I'm talking about when I talk about being a, a housing professional and everything that comes along with it, you really do have to break it down to your specific responsibilities and you have to talk about those responsibilities in such a way that match the roles that you are pursuing. So for example, as a graduate residential life coordinator who needs to show you that I still gained career development type of functions and experience and role, I need to break down for you how I've facilitated the process of hiring RAs. And so in higher ed, um, I think sometimes we focus a lot on our support from the like feelsy perspective and good. And like, look at this awesome work we're doing with students, but sometimes we need to do it a little bit more admin esque. I, if that makes sense of like, what was the day-to-day process and that admin work that I, and some of us already have a lot of admin work and know how to talk about it from that perspective, but having to facilitate the hiring process on an annual basis. um, So if you feel like you're not good at talking about what you do from that very, operational perspective that's something that has to happen there if you're going to pivot and if you start talking about student development theory in an interview uh, and this person does not have student development theory uh, or a background and understands that like not going to be very helpful for you right you have to instead talk about how you know to support students avoid the very technical language and jargon from our specific field and industry, and then find a way to repackage it, which is what I do with my students too. Like they have to be able to talk to people who are not technical in data science or like we all, honestly, everybody's in this situation where you gain this expertise in one area. And then if you ever want to pivot into a different field, you need to be able to talk to a, right. A non-technical audience or someone who does not share in your skills and expertise. So, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the things that all of us do in student affairs and higher ed are very applicable across the board. Um, so I think if anything, it's the way that we talk about it that I would want to focus on and emphasize that for me, I just had to to just be more strategic about how I was talking about those experiences.
0: Well, and you've both talked about listening um, and then like following and reading what other people, but it is, it's learning the new language, right? Mm-hmm. And how do you literally translate? This is what I say. As a hall director, but this is what it means. This is how it's meaningful in this other context. So, yeah, great.
2: Well, and how do you use, you know, student affairs is um, so nebulous to so many people? Use that to your advantage, right? Um, (laughs) like it's broad and so pivot that's I feel like that's the pandemic um word of the year right is like if it's going to be operations that you're looking at like you have operations experience if it's organizational development um you know that's a term that's uh clear for folks career development as NILSA does but even diversity equity inclusion we continue to lead you know the higher ed industry in that space in many respects and you know other spaces are getting there too so Um, I would say use the broad nature to your advantage.
0: Yeah. Supervision, human resource development. Uh, A hundred percent. Right. Well, I think that you have done a beautiful job of asking or answering most of the questions I had to ask. Is there something else you want to talk about or something else I should be asking kind of relevant to your intersecting worlds as it was? I'm processing your question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think for me personally, the only thing I haven't touched on, uh, I, I talked about this briefly, but one thing that has been really helpful in my personal career that I would encourage anyone in higher ed and student affairs, is I mentioned, I have like my eyes on this particular role that I hope to aspire to one day have. And I know Fred's the same way, like Fred has eyes on the prize of what that goal is and thinking about ways that you can get yourself out of that pigeonhole. I feel like that's a phrase we use a lot of like pigeonholing yourself into one functional area or one operational area. Um, So I didn't talk about in between being a career coach and now the program manager of the job search at my current company, I was also the uh, curriculum initiative specialist for our careers area. And even then that was constantly making known to other people, my interest and what I wanna do professionally, like not keeping my own professional development goals to myself, cause that does nothing and there's no one to hold me accountable, there's no one to talk to about it. If I just keep them all inside and I have these visions and dreams and goals, but I don't share them with my direct supervisor, I don't share them with my colleagues, I don't share them with Fred or you. It's going to be really hard to get people to help me in my own career journey. So, um, I didn't talk about that particular experience, but man, did I enjoy that and that was a lot of fun. I did that for the past year and it gave me Some amazing perspective and what I could eventually do as that director of a career center, because I have a a very robust resume now of all of this different content that I've written um, from an outcomes perspective. Like I had to start with an objective. What did I want you to learn? And I had to develop activities and lesson plans. So, Um, I say that to just encourage you to get creative because that particular opportunity came about because I noticed that there was a need for somebody to be focusing on that particular area. And again, we're a startup. So by me articulating that to my supervisor and those around me, like, Hey, I'd be really interested in writing the careers content. Like we seem to need somebody to be helping out with more of this. So try your you can still be humble while still making your dreams and aspirations known. And if you're nervous to share it, start with your supervisor or start with a peer. I know not everybody has a fantastic relationship with their supervisor, right? That's ideal. And that's amazing when that happens. But if that relationship for your career growth isn't happening with the supervisor, still find those people at your institution or wherever you're working or around you who can help move things along for you because trying to do it by yourself is not the move. You're not going to get as far. And, I really do credit uh, where I am to some great supervisor. My supervisor at um, my current institution has been um, her name is Kathleen Hunt. She's amazing. I really enjoy working with her, um, and I definitely credit her to some of my own career success today.
0: That's great.
2: I would say for me two kind of final thoughts. I would just say, and I and I don't want this to sound cliche or overdone, but um, really think about your network, right? And when I say network, I'm not talking about, you know, mentors and supervisors and, um, you know, your cohort. I'm talking about like your the social web that exists in your life. Um, and think about those relationships. I mean, think about like, for example, Nilza and how she talked about Kristen Walker Donnelly, right? Like that was a relationship that she pulled back in. Um, but how do you continue to, um uh nourish those relationships even if there's no agenda right like networking doesn't have to have an agenda it could be like and especially in this new role i've had to do that where i've had to get to know people i'm like i don't really have an agenda i just want to get to know you right especially in a pandemic um but also outside of higher ed volunteer in your community. You know, I I obviously am passionate about civic and community engagement, but you never know who you'll meet just by playing in a kickball league or, um, you know, doing a food relief drop off or whatever it might be. Um, And that may have a connection for you outside of higher ed as well, if you're looking at a major employer in your city or community. Um, The last thing that I would say is to um, channel your own little uh, curious George and live the world with a sense of curiosity. I think one of the best things um, about higher ed is that we're in a space with so many different disciplines. And it is such a cool place to nerd out if you really, really wanted to, right? I mean, think about the lectures that exist on campus for free for faculty, staff, and students. Think about the talks that exist out there. Um, Try something new. I went to one yesterday, now that I'm on a medical campus on health equity. Didn't really know anything about health equity, but it sparked some curiosity for me. Um, and you know, continue to listen to things outside of our industry because I think that's one thing I have valued in my relationship with Nilza is listening to things that folks are talking about in the business sphere, listening to things that folks are talking about in the psychology sphere or the tech sphere. Um, so nerd on, on a podcast, go read a book outside of higher ed and student affairs. It makes you a more interesting person. That's the real reason I listen to podcasts, to be honest. <laughs>
0: That is excellent. Well, okay, so first of all, I want to say this before I forget. You all let me know what episodes of Black Mirror I need to watch that relate in some way to students or education. That'll be our next episode that we do together. Yes. So, I'm I'm familiar and I've seen some episodes, but I'm not
1: Oh my gosh, you've only seen some episodes. You are behind. I know. I know. <laughs>
0: well, apparently the new season isn't out yet, so I have a chance to catch up. But yeah. let me know. Keep that in mind, because that would that would be another interesting conversation, I think, to have. So um, I just want to give you one last chance if there's anything else you want to share, if there's something exciting going on or something you want to promote. And if not, that's okay. But You've been generous with your time. So if you want to use this time for your benefit or celebration in some way, I want to afford space.
1: Actually, Michelle, you can do this with us. So one thing that me and Fred do whenever we just like need a pick-me-up and how we hold each other accountable. We force each other to do two, and I say force, that sounds awful, but we're like, okay, time for a gratitude moment. So I would love to hear your two gratitude things and I will kick us off. But so this is a practice that me and Fred do in our friendship, uh, especially on days where we hear each other out. We know you're frustrated. We let you do like that, just like word vomit of everything that made you mad or made your, you know, whatever. And then you just have this moment where you're like, okay, but why am I grateful? Um, So my moment of gratitude for today, I really, this is my first time doing a podcast, y'all. This was fun. Oh wow! Um, Yeah. I had a ton of fun doing this, was a little nervous to just have myself recorded (laughs) and this conversation now will exist um, for others to hear and enjoy, but it was so much fun. So thank you, Michelle, for being the one to host us and give me this opportunity to talk on a podcast for the first time. And then my second moment of gratitude is going to have to do with networking. Um, uh, This podcast came or this particular topic and just chatting today came about just from some banter on Facebook with Michelle and Fred, uh, which just reminds me, like Fred said, not to have an agenda. And so Michelle makes it so easy and approachable to just have jokes and laugh with her and message her on Facebook or comment silly things. Uh, So I'm really just grateful for the relationships that I have with both of you
2: it was great. Michelle, you got two gratitude
0: thoughts? Oh, I have so many gratitudes every day, right? Um, well, I, I'm going to sort of piggyback on what you said, Nilza, but this really, I mean, when you all said that you finished the program five years ago, I'm like, no, no, you didn't. It was like maybe a year and a half or two years ago, no. but, um, but I'm grateful to have stayed in touch and to continue to get to learn with you and from you. And um, as part of the same thing, I have the best job in the world. I mean, I I, I love being a faculty member and um, getting to, like I said, work and learn with dynamic people who are doing amazing things. And I wish you all tremendous success so you can support me when I get to the point that I don't want to work anymore, so. Actually, I'm in good shape. Just had a conversation about that recently. but Oh, um, oh, the other thing I'm grateful for is my dog. Um, She's a pandemic puppy, and I I have had a dog before, but it's been a while. She was my, okay, you got tenure, now you've shown you're responsible enough to have a dog again, so um, I I will admit I'm not grateful for her every moment of every day, (laughs) but overall and generally speaking, I'm very grateful for her. She um, breaks up routines, often, when I don't realize they need to be broken up, but they probably do need to be broken up. (laughs) Your turn, Fred.
2: Um, Nilza, I'll um, correct you as well. We used to do uh, the number of gratitudes based on how many things we talked about. Right. That's so, if great. we invented about five things, that was the price we paid. That picked. is
1: how it started.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, but two is great for today. Um, I, I would first say, um, you know, uh, I'm first very grateful to be physically able. Um, you know, I think um, the pandemic and Nilza has helped me with my physical well-being. Like, I just feel very grateful to be um, able-bodied and, and privileged in that regard, and living in a city as well, right? You see so many um, accessibility issues there. Um, the second thing, uh, in terms of gratitude, I'll actually take a line from Kristen Walker Donnelly. Not a line, but something she does really good at, because she did this with me as well, but. Um, she really values celebrating um, and providing resources to folks that are um, in transition specifically, mm-hmm. right? And so she did that for me as I was getting ready for this interim role as well. And so I'm just grateful to um, you know our, our community and our network, especially with Saxa, to continue to support each other. And um, if, if folks are in need, especially if you are in transition, um, my role on the Executive um, Council currently is Vice President for Professional Development. So, if there are ways that myself or others on the SAXA EC could help support you, um, we we want to we want to hear um, how we might be able to do that, especially um, in such difficult times. So,
0: so yeah, great. Well, so my next prompt is what's something that's giving you hope? I feel like we kind of got there with this, but um are there things in your life that you know it's not easy every day so is there something you turn to and it's like well not perfect but there is this thing so and you're each gonna say each other it's gonna be this really <laughs> cute moment
1: oh my gosh yes bread <laughs> is definitely one of the things that gets me through um even pre-pandemic and post-pandemic Uh, So as not to say Fred for an answer, um, fun little, just like random one. I feel like lately I've been an at-home barista. I cannot drink coffees from anywhere else. Starbucks not doing it for me, like any external coffees. I have had so much fun buying products and just trying it out at home. Uh, My um, roommate who I live with has an espresso machine. So I've been on an espresso latte situation with my protein almond cashew milk to make it healthy like I just have so much fun every morning deciding what coffee drink I'm gonna make and now I really like my own coffee beverages so that's a a fun little just that brings me hope it's the caffeine that gets me through the day wakes me up um so that's just a fun one
0: that's great
2: well, obviously you, Nilsa, you <laughs> get me through. You're the one person I tell literally everything to. So.
1: Same. same.
2: <laughs> so I appreciate to have you in my life. Um, the other thing that, um, gives me hope and gives me joy right now, I have found a love for cycling. Um, I I'm sure there you are, good people- at it
0: too.
1: <laughs> um,
2: there's, there's a thing called a tap back, um, which is a ton of fun. Um, it's like pushing a chair back with your, With your rear it's just such a fun move on a bike (laughs) um but yeah if you're in the peloton community if you're in the indoor cycling community or even outdoor cycling would love to connect with you Um, i'm also trying to figure out new cycling outfits so if you know if you have brands out there i'm always trying to um up my athleisure game so
0: i just have to say most important part isn't
2: it (laughs) oh
0: for sure
1: so I had the opportunity to take a cycling class with Fred. And man, I felt like he was in Ariana Grande's music video. Um, like he just knows how to dance on that cycle while still doing the moves. And I'm over here struggling. I'm like, I have to reach and then now I have to do this movement. And it's just like a whole dance routine. <laughs> it was the first time I had watched someone cycle and I was like, oh, okay, like this is dancing for <laughs> you. So Fred is. Really good at it without even trying, FYI. But I'm me not so much, but I'm glad cycling gives him joy because
0: he's great at it. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, all right. Well, I do, you know, just one more time, let me thank you both for, um, you know, giving us an hour, hour and a half, however long we've been chatting. It went quickly, so it feels like 10 minutes, but um, I know everyone is busy and We're all getting pulled lots of directions, but let me just thank you again for your time and and your insights today. Thanks for having us, Michelle.
1: Yes, thank you,
0: Michelle. I'm serious about the Black Mirror episode too. Let's do it.
2: Oh, for sure. right. anyone else out there, just do not start with season one, episode one. I mean, that is the Black Mirror rule, do not start with the very first episode.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's a good rule to know.
2: Yeah. Excellent.
0: All right. Well, um, thanks one more time to our guests, Nilsa Santana, excuse me, Nilsa Santana at Lambda School and Fred Tugas at Virginia. You can tell I'm back to reading the script because I can't put my words (laughs) together and Fred Tugas at Virginia Commonwealth University. Today's Essay Today podcast is brought to you by Saxa and we thank them for their support. Additionally, this show would not be possible without producer Erica Lee. So as always, much gratitude to you, Erica. Um, I thought I would close with a quote. I have things pop up on my Twitter. I kind of removed stuff that was bringing me negativity. And I'm like, if it has the word Zen in it, I probably follow it, you know, whatever. And this was one that popped up the other day. That was very timely for just a moment I was having. But the quote is, it's unattributed, which I don't usually like unattributed quotes, but this one's still pretty good. If it's not going to matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes being upset about it today. Mm. Um, So carry that with you, use it when it's helpful. Again, my name is Michelle Botcher. It has been a pleasure to truly, honestly, a pleasure. If it was only kind of a pleasure, I'd just say that once, but I really did enjoy this. It's been a pleasure to host this episode and have a beautiful day.